It is a Tuesday morning here on Birds 365. Hold on, let me check. Yeah, the score hasn't changed from Sunday's <laughs> So the same 33. 22 it was when we were here with you yesterday. Yesterday was me, Jody McDonald, uh, with my buddy Jeff Kerr. Today I got my partner back. John McMahon has made his way back from Sin City. Tell me at least you didn't lose a ton of money on top of it, McMullen. No, not a ton. I'm very disciplined, unlike the Eagles. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a number I was going to stick to, and I stuck to it. But, you know, mainly because I didn't have the time. So right. that was the main reason. So if you that got close to the number with the amount of time you had, that's not a good thing. That means the cards or the slot machines were running against you. Yeah, I was only I I only had a little bit of time to play some slots, and mainly at the airport, uh, more than anything else. Uh, so I was fine. I came out unscathed. Yeah, if you're a cynic um, and you believe those machines are rigged, and oh by the way, they are rigged to only pay out so much. But you believe that some of them are supposed to pay out to somebody at least to balance the scale so that everybody isn't losing every single time they put a quarter in. Um, do you think that those slots are better or worse than the casinos? That the airport? I think yeah. worse. I think worse. I think and it's it, like everything at the airport. If you think about it, you know, you got to get a coffee, about oh, $10. You got to get a hamburger, oh, $15. You got to get, they got, you can't go anywhere. Right. They got you. You're sitting around. You're waiting. You got to be there early. They got you. They know it. I I would, I would bet they're worse. You're a captive audience. So yeah, yeah, we don't have to pay off the percentage that we do in the casinos. We'll just continue to take their money hand over fist. All right, sorry. Sorry, you didn't do well at the airport slot now, machines. Uh, other back, than Ocean Casino, which pays out greatly, by the way. Unbelievable. It's they like giving away money. As a yes. matter of fact, I should. Uh, plan a vacation within the next 24 hours. All right. Uh, let's talk about the mess it was. Didn't get a chance to talk to you yesterday. You were winging your way back here to Philadelphia, which, by the way, flight okay? Well, two flights. Yeah, they went as well as can be expected. But you talk about being a captive audience. I On the way out there, I, I actually had a, a direct flight on the way out there, which seems fine. It's a five-hour flight. so yeah. But they don't feed you these days. There was no power on the airplane, not not for the power. The power worked, thankfully, because we're there. But to, to plug in your phone or your computer or anything like that, nothing. So it was a plane from the 1960s, evidently. But uh, <laughs> other than that, it was fine. They, they give you a movie at least? No, nothing, nothing. Whoa, you have, man. you have, uh, w with this particular airline, I'm not going to throw them under the bus, but you can watch movies, TV shows, even live TV on your phone, but you can't plug in your phone right. and the juice is going to be all gone. So, you know, you, you, you try to get a uh, half hour here, half hour there, but you know, you got to have it for more important reasons later now, in case and if you can't tell we're avoiding talking about the eagles because it's not <laughs> going to be a pleasant conversation when we have it um do you bring a book just in case knowing that that's a possibility uh normally i do and i didn't uh of course because the possibility unfurled itself right in front of me all right, so uh, it's extra Z time. So if you're you a Seinfeld fan, yeah, I, I was David Putty. I was just staring straight ahead. 
straight ahead for five hours. Oh, that's not good. Uh, that's not so, good. So that was on the way out. On the way back, you had a connector. Where'd you, where'd you have to get off and back on again? Dallas. So I got. That's right. I got, you mentioned that last week. Yeah. I got 15 minutes with a winning football team's culture. Uh, well, they didn't win this week. They no, that's because they week. were off. They were off. <laughs> uh, yes, they were. They were on the bye. Uh, the Eagles were the losers. And once again, and John, stop me if you've heard me say this before, which means it's a given. Um, the final score did not indicate the lack of closeness of the game. Uh, once again, the Eagles were well behind and got a whole bunch of yards and points late in the game that didn't really have anything to do with the outcome of the game. It's one thing to lose. And I said this last night on, on WIP, and I'll repeat it here. Um, got a chance to listen to a bunch of WIP yesterday afternoon. Had a couple things. Had to do running around, so I was in the car plenty. Listen to, to Cameron and Richie in the middays and Ike and Johnny Marks in the afternoon. The one thing that surprised me, because Eagle fans were apoplectic, as I thought they would be, um, a whole bunch of people were surprised that they're as bad as they are, that they're two and five and they didn't see this coming and they didn't think this season was going to go as badly as it has. And that kind of gets to me because, yeah, I thought they'd be about two and a five after these seven games. The schedule was tough in the first half. You got a new coach, new staff, new quarterback, growing pains, all those things. Yeah, I thought they'd be around two and a two and five at this point. I don't understand why people are surprised. You got a theory? Um, ugliness of how they play, which is my theory. Um, you're right, because two and four, I mean, okay, pick out the win. Were you going to beat San Francisco? Now, in hindsight, they're not as good as probably we thought. But coming into the season, nobody thought they were going to win that game. You're going to win at Dallas? Well, people can put on their Eagles colored glasses, but uh, the game is down there. That's a better football team, and they're better than probably we expected. And then you had Tampa Bay and Kansas City. And even though Kansas City's struggling, we, we knew the Eagles weren't going to beat them. So, I, yeah, the number two and four, then you start to get into this portion of the schedule. You get to the Raiders and say, okay, that's a winnable game, but you're not saying on the road uh, they're going to necessarily beat that team. And then Detroit starts in probably the softest part of their schedule moving forward. Not probably, um, unquestionably. Um, and we'll see if they can sort of even the scales uh, a little bit. Um, so I think it's the way they played. Um Look, I talk about it all the time. I, I'm, I'm not a fan, personally, of, of, of RPO offenses. I think they're ugly. I don't like the way they look. I think people are seeing it unfold when you're not very good on top of it. Then you're playing a, a ton of cover, too, on defense. It's not what this city likes. They hate it. They hate it. If it's death by, you know, a thousand cuts or the gunshot, they want the gunshot. Um but they're just not good enough personnel-wise. But I, So to your point, the overriding aspect of that is, okay, they're a bad football team, and they're a bad football team that plays the way the fans don't like on top of it. That that would be my assessment of what's going on. That's, and that's a very fair assessment. It depicts what's happened in the first seven games here of the season. And I said this yesterday here on Birds 365 and then last night on WIP as well. Uh, I know that people are very upset with Nick Sirianni, and they got right to be. Um, his play calling is, 
questionable. Um, we can give them as much a pass as we want for trying to uh, make the play calling fit Jalen Hurts' skill set, which I think he does. Well, at some point you have to realize what I thought was best for Jalen Hurts might not be best for Jalen Hurts, and I got to tinker with it, and we've seen no changes whatsoever. Um, maybe they were going to run the ball a little bit more before Miles Sanders got hurt. Maybe not, because the second time they got the ball after uh, punching it down the Raiders' throats, they weren't run heavy, and they didn't do anything with the ball. So um, I think that's an evaluation still to be made. Um, you can get on Nick Sirianni. Jalen Hurts is still woefully inconsistent. Some of his stuff looks great, pulls it down, makes plays with his legs. That can be exciting, but his inability to throw the ball where he wants, his accuracy is still very much a question mark. All those things are very true. But here's the bottom line, John. The defense is worse than the offense. The offense is bad. The offense is not doing what it's supposed to do. The offense isn't showing us anything that we can sink our teeth into for the future, the defense is in shambles right now. And yes, that's individual players, but more than anyone else, Jonathan Gannon, this system is, and, and talk about not giving you what was advertised. I remember you and I talking about the fact that he came out and said, deception will be a key for us this year. We're not, I'm sorry, I'm not going to give you all the info on my defense because I want to be able to ca- catch team top guard. I want to be able to, hide what we're going to do. I want to be able to attack from all different directions. They're the most vanilla plain defense I've seen here. And you, you were a bigger Schwartz fan than I. We, we established that early on here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac liked uh, Schwartz. I thought Schwartz was fine. He wasn't anything special. Um, Looking better now, though. Please give me Jim Schwartz back. <laughs> Get him back here ASAP. Yeah. Uh, I uh... The only thing I would disagree with you on is the defense has been worse than the offense. I can't pick that. I can't pick that. I absolutely believe that. The offense is just as bad. Uh, You know, if you look at certain aspects, and here's why I lean towards defense more than offense, and I've said this pretty consistently. I can figure out what Jonathan Gannett's trying to do. They just can't do it. And it's probably a bad plan with the personnel he has, but I don't know what a good plan with the personnel he has is other than playing the way Schwartz did. And everybody hates that. And that's putting everything on the defensive line and saying, go get the quarterback and don't worry about the running game and all that kind of stuff. Wide nine, which people hate, you know, what, what do you like? Tell me what you like and I'll tell you what to play. But offensively, like, I don't know what Nick's trying to accomplish from week to week. Like, at least I understand what, what, what Gannon is trying to accomplish. I never know what Nick is trying to do. And then by the way, when they get down by two scores, which is uh, an all too common occurrence, then it's just bang out the window. Everything's out the window. We're just going to throw the football or Jalen, go make a play with your legs. That, to me, is what it has boiled down to when they get behind in games. Um, so from that standpoint, I give the defense a slight edge over the offense. And that's not a compliment, by the way. That's just, uh, you know, the, 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 the best, the better of two terrible wor- worlds right now. Um, and again, it only comes down because of the system. 
look, people hate the system. I hate the system. I hate it when Tony Dungy ran it. Uh, and he ran successfully uh, because I think there's such a small margin of error. So to me, that's a philosophical thing. You got to talk about Jeffrey Lurie and, and, and Howie Roseman and, and where they went. We got to go all the way back to moving on from Doug Peterson and the previous regime. That's the crux of this all. I got news for you. If they hired John, Josh McDaniels, Jonathan Gannon would be the defensive coordinator. The Eagles earmarked their defensive coordinator before the head coach. It was very similar to actually Jim Schwartz and, and Doug Peterson. Right. Uh, they were going to bring Jonathan Gannon in to be the defensive coordinator. They loved the guy. Um, it hasn't looked good early. Get him some linebackers, and I can tell you if it's him or it's the personnel. I can tell you that. So, you know, it's time to stop this nonsense, I would say, to Howie Roseman. Where are we on tankathon, Jody? You probably know. I haven't checked it. Get the me a Dolph- linebacker. The Dolphins pick is number two. The Eagles pick is number six. And I believe the Colts pick is number 12. That's Some, good, actually. That's good. Today. Um, yeah, and uh, I know you had concerns that at some point the Colts were going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not making a playoffs. Yeah. We're not letting them get to 75%. Guess what, Carson? You're sitting the last four games. Um, I, I never. Now you don't have to worry point. about that. They got some wins. Right, They're they in got... that middle range. They're probably only going to get better. So give me two top 10 picks and another pick later, you know, probably 16, 17 range. That's the perfect scenario. Get me a stinking linebacker. I want a quarterback too, but we'll get to that. Get me a linebacker. I do want to about the quarterbacks because they made quarterback moves yesterday, neither of which I think is going to have a major effect on the Eagles going forward, but they did juggle quarterbacks a little bit. And I think Howie once again actually made a nice small move. Uh, does that actually pretend, uh, portend for the Eagles to win football games because of it? Who knows? But uh, I do like what they did, shaking it up a little bit. But I need a, a hand and an explanation from you. But before we get there, I'll explain to you why I think the defense is worse than the offense as of right now. For the reason you just gave. I still don't know at its core what the head coach is trying to do, the play caller head coach is trying to do with the offense. It sometimes goes one way. It sometimes goes the other. His exp- explanations after the fact don't always add up to me. So I'll give him, I'll cut him in my mind some slack because I don't think he's figured it out yet. Jonathan Gannon's doing exactly what he wants to do. He continues to do it without changing it week after week. And it just continues to stink on ice, if not get worse. <laughs> so which is worse, the guy who hasn't figured it out yet or a guy who's figured it out and it sucks? I'll, I'll take the, the, the guy who doesn't know yet. And the other well, thing about... I, I, see, here's the difference. I get I get what you're saying. I, I don't want a guy who's a head coach or a coordinator in the NFL who, who doesn't know what he doesn't want to do. I don't want that guy. I want the guy who at least has a plan, has a, a game plan. You What are the thing that every single great coach in the history of this league has in common? There's one thing, one thing, organization. They got a plan, man. They got everything laid out. You hear the stories of when Andy Reid came in and wowed Jeffrey Lurie. It, this guy's a, 
a quarterback's coach and offense. So in theory, he's skipping steps. He shouldn't be ready for that interview. He's got he's got notebooks of, of, of depth charts for position coaches. He already had a plan for five years down the road when he thought he would had a, have a chance to be a head coach. They all have these unbelievable organizational skills. I I don't see that with Nick Sirianni. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I like the guy personally. You know, I joked about it yesterday. And it wasn't the case, but everybody was making the same joke. You know, Nick's 45 minutes for being 45 minutes late to his press conference. These press conferences move around. You know, typically he's not on Tom Coughlin time. He's on, um, you know, he's always late to a normal press conference. Most great coaches have their freaking days planned out to the minute from an organizational standpoint to try to take advantage of, we talk about it all the time, all the scale back time. Now, maybe it's a little thing. And again, yesterday was, there was a different reason. Yesterday, the reason was because they were making the trade and the timing of it. And they wanted to wait till it was um, consummated before they sent Nick out there, which is probably what they should have done. So, the jokes aside from yesterday, I don't see that. I don't see those organizational skills. I want the guy who's got a plan. Now, if if you give me, you know, name the linebacker, Devin White, and it still stinks, then I'll tell you, yeah, this, is, this isn't going to work. I will criticize JG for this. Look, the only thing you have is defensive linemen and Darius Slay. So let them go, man. Let them go. And the second, I'm going to criticize two points. If you're a young coach, you better get the veterans on board. And he didn't get Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay on board. And that's a mistake. Right. So there's plenty of mistakes. I was going to go there. And the other uh, reason why I'll cut, if you were dividing Sirianni offense, Jonathan Gannon defense, Sirianni's got a quasi-rookie quarterback. Guy has not had a full year under his belt with his starts from last year. Had to do his starts from this year. He still hasn't even played a year in the league. That's a that's that's a hurdle you have to get over. His wide receiver core is a rookie and two guys with a year less yeah. than a year and a half under their belt. They're young guys. Because of injury, they had to throw Dickerson into the mix. They may not be good enough, but Jonathan Gann's got all veterans on his defense. Uh, Derek Barnett's supposed to be good. Derek Barnett stinks. Now, I think Derek Barnett stinks, period. And that's not necessarily on Jonathan Gannon. But Gannon keeps putting him out there for almost every single snap. He got as many snaps as anyone else on the defensive line yesterday. Why? He's a veteran at this stage, and he's still playing way too much. They got veteran corners. They got veteran safeties. And the veterans are being plugged into the system that doesn't stop anybody. It says, all right, here, beat us at six yards a clip rather than 20 yards a clip. But we know you're going to stick it in the end zone anyway. You're just going to take your time in doing so. No, that doesn't work for me. So I'll stand by my they stink on both sides of the ball. But which stinks more? Yeah, the defense stinks more than the offense. Well, I mean, who are you going to play personnel-wise? I mean, Brandon Graham is hurt. 
I, if Brandon Graham is out there and we're saying, all right, Derek Barnett's playing more than Josh Sweat, and it's basically the same. I, I mean, um, all right, I think Josh Sweat should be more in the mix. But now Brandon Graham's out of the equation. Who are you going to play? Who are you going to play over Derek Barnett? Um, so I don't have a problem with that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, well, I, uh, yeah, you look, have to question to all answer it. Why isn't Mitt Williams playing? Well, he stinks. <laughs> I mean, he's playing terribly. How's, um, how's Derek Barnett playing? Better than Milton Williams. I don't know. About I, that. I mean, I mean, I don't know about that. A drastic, I would say drastically better than Milton Williams, who has been overmatched. And by the way, you know, he's a rookie. Now, uh, it's not a big deal. It's a rookie third round pick. The people who thought he was going to, you know, excel right off the bat. That just doesn't happen. Look at the first round pick, that wide receiver who's tremendously talented. I, I told everybody, I screamed it from the top of the mountains. There's going to be growing pains with young players. There always is in this league, and you're seeing it. And as you go down the totem pole, there's oh, we're more. allowed to have growing pains with Devonta Smith, but we can't have growing pains with uh, Milt Williams. Well, Devonta Smith, you're allowed to. I'm not obviously you're allowed well, judging to. by their snap counts. One guy gets to go out there no matter what he's doing, and the other well, guy be, doesn't get yeah, a but one play. guy's a lot. One guy's a lot better than the other guy. One guy's significantly better than the other guy. And I only bring up Devonte Smith because he he also, even though he's significantly better, even though obviously he has the talent to excel in the NFL from the get go, you're still seeing those growing pains. That's the only reason. Why, why I bring him up. Milton Williams is more of a developmental type and it hasn't been good early on. I mean, you know, and they're still throwing him out there to try to get through those growing pains. That's all I'm trying to say. But, you know, to get back to the overriding point of offense versus defense and what's worse, well, the key is you could make an argument for both as we are. And the, the point is they're both really bad. And, you know, I think it's hilarious, really. The first two drives in that game. Okay, now, on the surface, it was really successful for the Eagles. Um, they drive down the field in a traditional fashion. Jalen Hurts under center, handing the football off to Miles Sanders. You get the play action to Dallas Goddard. You get the angle route over the middle of the field for the touchdown to Kenny Gainwell. Everything the fans wanted, tied up into a neat little bow, and they scored a touchdown. Now, they kick the football off, right? And the Raiders go down the field. How many plays was it, Jody? Exactly what Jonathan Gannon wanted. Exactly what Jonathan, not, I mean, he'd prefer to get off early, but one, two, three, I'm counting them up, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 plays. Oh. And then Derek Carr, over the middle to Richard, just a little bit off, uh, throws the football off uh, off target in the middle of the field. There it is for Avante Maddox. Interception. Bend, but don't break. Perfect. Early. Perfect early. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. Nick Sirianni changed. He doesn't want to do that. He did that to acquiesce to the criticism. Jonathan Gannon at least stuck to his plan. It worked for one time. That, to me, some surmises the two of them up. 
Look, one guy's got a plan, one guy doesn't. One guy's got a plan, one doesn't. Well, how did Gannon's plan work on the Raiders' second possession? Didn't. The whole game oh, okay. didn't work. So basically the same exact thing. Sirianni's plan why... worked, went right down the field, touchdown. Gannon's plan worked. Oh, well, Ben, not, not break. We'll wait for you to make a mistake. They did, deep in their own territory. Then the second possession for both coaches, they didn't get done what they needed to get done. Sirianni's Jody, offense missed, did nothing. Missed, Gannon's missed, offense went bend all the man, way into the end zone. You're misunderstanding my point. The only point is they played a horrible football game. They outscored by – they gave up 30 unanswered points. I'm not talking about the entire game. I'm talking about one guy you can see as the termite throwing darts, man. Oh, this didn't work. I'm going to try this. This didn't work. This, this didn't work. I'm going to try this. Jonathan Gannon at least has a plan. The plan might stink, but he at least has a plan. I think the plan stinks because he doesn't have the personnel. Now, also from a personal perspective, I say it all the time. And people that have known me for years know I've been saying this for over 20 years. I hate cover two defense. I hate it. You cannot beat the great quarterbacks with cover two defense consistently. You can do you can look like you're a world beater against bad quarterbacks, but against good quarterbacks, they tear it to shreds. I don't like it. I'm just saying. Other coaches have had success with it, but if you want to have success with Tony Dungy, uh, Derek Brooks, Tony Dungy, Jack Del Rio, uh, 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 Lovey Smith, Brian Urlacher, if you want to have success with it, get me a damn linebacker. That's fair, but Jonathan Gannon had to know that that was the case, that he was coming to a team that didn't have a playmaking linebacker or maybe thought that Alex Singleton was going to turn into Brian Arlacker. Good luck with that. Um, so, uh, And he's sticking with the system that he has. Yes, I guess it's just a uh, definitive philosophical difference between you and I. If I've got the choice between a guy who's throwing darts, which isn't good, but throwing darts... And sticking with something seven games in that is proven not to work, I'm not going to go with the guy who says, "Well, but I at least I'm I'm strong in my belief in this." It's well, all right, in let me get one more bad, before I know we got I know we got a hit break, but let me get <laughs> one more point because I want to convince you why I'm right, Jody. All right, we we go through four. Let's be we go through four weeks of training camp. We're in, we're in game number seven. You're practicing all that time to do this thing. And then you change and do something else. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. It makes sense. Where, where, you don't practice something. Let's do something else. Let's do something else. I mean, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. When something doesn't work, you need to change it. When you have a good enough sample size, when you've gone to the well often enough and it just doesn't work, you can't just keep saying, but we've dedicated so much time and practice and thought process. We have to stick with this. No, uh, as the sample size gets bigger and you find more and more that it doesn't work, you have only one option as far as I'm concerned and that's start changing things. It doesn't have to be a massive across the board, change the entire, forget everything I've ever taught you. 
but you got to be able to make some changes. And I don't see any changes out of Jonathan Gannon. All those changes are generally, and you're right, there have to be changes, but all those changes are generally come down to personnel. Look, you can throw something out there, and that's what I said. There was a lot of week one vibes to that first drive. Look, the Raiders came in, Gus Bradley came in watching film of the Eagles, and he was ready for RPOs, and they went different. So I think this assumption that, oh, it would have worked again, maybe it gets you through a week. Maybe it gets you through a week. Maybe you even get a win. It, but you saw it week one with Atlanta. You know, they caught the Falcons by surprise. Nick Sirianni talked about it all leading up, and we joked about it, all leading up to uh, uh, the season opener. I have a competitive advantage. Nobody knows what we're going to do. And in, by the way, he was right. Atlanta looked like they didn't know what the hell to expect. But the minute that tape got on put down, everybody in the NFL, every defensive coach was looking at it. And they started the next day and said, oh, this is how we have to play uh, this particular quarterback in this offense. And it has been ugly ever since. The same thing would have been would happen for those because, you know, everybody in this town wants to run the football. Everybody in this town wants it to be 1975. It's not. And you would have made it easier if you think you're going to play that way uh, with this particular quarterback in this particular offense. So we talk about time in the NFL and how much time you have to prepare the players all, all, all the time. And it's a really, it's probably the most difficult part of the job. The Eagles issues are all personnel related. All of them. Man. Give me a quarterback and two linebackers, and they're five and two Man. instead of two and five. And we do have to get our first break in, but I'll finish with this. Before the season started, take the 11 Eagle offensive starters, take the 11 Eagle defensive starters, which side of the ball had more talent? The defense. No question in my mind, coming into the year, the defense had more talent than the offense did. And since they both suck, who am I more ticked off at? The defense and Jonathan Gannon. All right, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys. We got one guest planned in Espanol. A little later in the show, Ricky Ricardo, the guy who calls the Eagle games on their Spanish radio station, will be aboard. Uh, good dude uh, and a great play-by-play guy, even though I when I put the highlights together, he looks at the highlights. I only understand a little bit of what Ricky says, uh, but he's great just the same. Uh, he'll do en inglés with us today. Ricky Ricardo a little bit later on the show. But Mac and I will be back to continue to analyze where the Eagles went wrong on Sunday. And did they go wrong with reorganizing the quarterback room yesterday? We'll get McBone's thoughts on that next year on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. McMullen and Judy McDonald, your Mac and Mac Bird Street 65 amigos. Uh, we're hanging with you on a Tuesday after another bad eagle loss. Um, we started the show by me getting John's itinerary down on his travel stuff. Uh, we're going to start the second segment in the same exact way because I got to know about yesterday. Um, early, early, early morning flight out of Vegas for you, but you're flying back across country with a stopover. And, oh, by the way, you're losing time coming back to the East Coast. What time were you supposed to touch down back here in Philadelphia yesterday? Uh, 3, 3 30-ish. All right. So 3.30. Uh, could you access your phone and computer on the way yes. back? Yes. Well, oh. uh, you know, you can't do anything with uh, important. But, yes, I did have uh, charging power on the way back so you knew what time nick sirianni was supposed to talk to the good folks of philadelphia uh were you planning on getting there in time to be able to intake what coach sirianni had to say in his day after press conference yeah we we knew that last week it was scheduled to be 4 45 so i did i got in the door at my house at about four four o'clock a little bit after four o'clock so yeah, I was right there. I was ready for right. uh, Nick Sirianni. Very, and then uh, after a miserable day, but I was ready. Miserable day. 
And oh, by the way, supposed to go at a specific time. Oh, it's pushed back. Oh, it's pushed back yeah. again. Oh, we're not quite ready. I'm sure Mrs. McMullen was happy with you. Oh, speaking of, she's what probably... I expect. It, she still doesn't understand. Like, I'm in control of Nick Sirianni. I can tell. <laughs> well, how long is this going to be? How long is this going <laughs> It's just, and no matter how many times you explain it to them, it's just, it's not getting through at this point. Yeah, uh, I'm not yeah. in control. Control I, I, what you can control. I want. I'm going to tape that and and place it down on my kitchen good, table. Good, good luck with that. Playing that tape for the missus. That's going to go over real well, John. Anyway, yeah, uh, Sirianni gets held up, and we find out after the fact the reason that they were running late was because Howie Roseman was making some roster moves that they have reorganized the quarterback room, removing one veteran, and bringing in one new uh, a new guy. And a young guy at that. Uh, so they have a developmental quarterback on the roster again, which I'm glad to hear. I'm not sure about the guy they got, but at least he's a developmental quarterback. But let's start with the veteran guy. Uh, Joe Flacco, when he signed, some people questioned, really? You had to give him that much guaranteed money? I was okay with it because, you know, I know the Jets and know people around the team. And they said, Flacco was a good dude. He accepted his role. He knew what he was supposed to do in the quarterback room. He wasn't one of those veteran guys who take an attitude of, hey, it's not my job to coach him up. The quarterback coach can coach him up. I'm here to just uh, get my business done. No, he was a guy who was willing to work with everybody else in the room. So I thought that might be helpful for Jalen Hurts. So I was okay with what the Eagles spent and the fact that they made the move for Flacco. And remember, they had Flacco before they ever knew that Gardner Minshew was going to be available. So you got to keep it in the order that it happened. Well, they were able to turn around and flip him for the exact same thing that they paid in uh, acquiring Gardner Minshew. Flacco wasn't going to do anything this year here anyway. It wasn't like he was riding to the rescue for the squad. So if you get anything in exchange for him, it's pretty darn good. Um, I got no issues. Uh, if anything, I'll give Howie Roseman a thumbs up for the veteran removal yesterday. You see it the same way or different, John? No, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's what Howie's good at. He's always going to get value out of trades and, and potential situations, at least on paper when you look at it. Now, ultimately, um, you talk about how players play and things like that. Uh, but as far as the value of where they are, the only problem, the only problem I had with the original Joe Flacco was signing was it didn't make sense for this team at this time, 36 year old backup. What do you need a 36 year old backup for? Uh, it's, it's turned out to be correct. Now the Eagles are saying, well, we think we have a chance and we think we could be in the mix. And by the way, they still could be in theory with the soft part of the back end of the schedule. And we know that it certainly looks like that last wild card is going to be right around 500. We'll see how that shakes out as things move forward as well. But um, so I didn't understand just because of the age, he's not going to be around here long term uh, does, you know, was a little bit expensive for a backup quarterback as far as what you could get if you want the younger routes. And they ultimately were able to get Gardner Minshew a little bit later. And as you mentioned, you spin it off and everything's fine. So no issues whatsoever. Perfectly understandable. Makes sense. The Jets need a backup quarterback, obviously, with Zach Wilson being out. And they and they know, even though it's a new coaching staff, the organization knows Joe. So um, 
it made sense from both sides. Obviously, Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman understand each other. Uh, so that probably made it a little bit easier. I do think it puts a little bit more pressure on both uh, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts, though, because, look, if you're being honest, Gardner Minshew's, I don't know if he's a better quarterback. They're They're very similar quarterbacks in that their numbers are fine, but they both put up numbers in similar circumstances. They're always behind. They're always losing games. Gardner and Jacksonville, obviously. Um, you know, you look at Sunday's game as an example, Jody. That was ugly. In the guts of the game, Jalen Hurts was terrible. And then he put up some numbers late. And it looks better on the stat sheet at the end of the game. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And Gardner Minshew used to do that in Jacksonville. But here's the problem. Nick Sirianni would rather run a different offense. And Gardner Minshew is probably more well-equipped to run the offense he wants to run. So I'm not one of those saying, oh, it's this step closer. They're going to go to Gardner Minshew. I don't think that's the case. However, if Jalen Hurts tweaks an ankle, if he's got to leave for a quarter, a half, I think this offense is going to look better. How about about he's got to leave for a play? Joe Flacco didn't even get in yeah. in seven games. He hasn't missed a play yeah. yet, Jalen Hurts. And, you know, everybody knew what Joe Flacco was and that he was only going to play if Jalen Hurts got hurt and Jalen didn't get hurt. Um, So, or if the Eagles were blowing somebody out, which is very unlikely. Uh, so, yeah, he never got into a play. Now you have Gardner Minshew, if that same thing unfolds, Maybe it doesn't. He hasn't gotten hurt yet. Maybe he doesn't get hurt. But if it does, I think you're going to see really quickly that would open up some things for Nick Sirianni. So it does put a little bit more pressure on the head coach and the quarterback. All right. Let's assume this is, you know, my favorite, the MacMan favorite, the hypothetical. Um, the Eagles against the schedule that they have are – not in the playoff mix, but they're not mathematically eliminated. Uh, they're let's give them three more. Let's let's make them three and three in their next six games. So that would get them to five and eight, which again doesn't have them in the playoff race, but doesn't have them mathematically eliminated. Uh, Hertz's play is ex- exactly the same that it is. Do they go to Minshew then? No. Or are they going to ride the Hurts bus all the way until the season ends, no matter what? Yeah, if they if they win some games like three and three, it, like you're saying, yeah, they're just going to ride out Hurts to the end of the season. Um, look, bottom line is behind the scenes at the Novacare Complex, I think they know the answer at the quarterback position is not here, and that's Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew. Uh, so ultimately, it's going to be somewhere someone from somewhere else. Now, the problem is if you need a bridge for uh, 2022 as well, because you might not be able to get the quarterback uh, for 2022 and turn into 2023. Uh, And that's part of the problem you have when you don't have a great starting quarterback in this league. Um, You know, watch last night's game, you know, the difference between the Seattle Seahawks. Um, 
That's torture. That's where you are in the NFL when you don't have a quarterback. And that's where the Eagles are. If you want to be realistic about it and tell the truth, that's where the Eagles are. They don't have the answer here. It's not Gardner Minshew. They got to go find a quarterback. Now, how are you going to do that? That's Howie Roseman's real job. All right, I want to get to that, but before we jettison ahead, I got to ask about a present-day uh, quarterback question. Are you telling me Reed Stennett is not that guy? Uh, I am telling you Reed Stennett is not that guy. Um, it's interesting because they cut Rick Lovato. Yeah, to bring he, in- that, oh, shoot, I, I mean to ask you that. You understand these roster machinations better than anybody I get it that uh, they can do a handshake deal with him and uh, say, listen, Rick, you're a free agent, but we don't expect you to go anywhere. We're going to re-sign you immediately thereafter. You won't lose any money. What, why did they even have to do that? What Was was it the timing of the Flacco trade hadn't gone through first? Yeah. So they just had to create a roster spot to be able to claim Stennett? I, exactly. I was perplexed by the way that they moved the pieces around the chessboard yesterday. Please uh, give us the uh, behind-the-scenes uh, strategy the Eagles were using. Yeah, if you claim a player off waivers, he's got to go on your 53-man roster immediately. Well, if you have 53 on your roster, you you got to take somebody off it. Uh, Rick Lovato is a bested veteran. Uh, doesn't have to go through waivers until after the trade deadline, so you have a couple more days, November 2nd. Doesn't have to go through waivers. You don't have to worry about anybody claiming them. Um he is uh, a veteran, so you do the wink-wink deal. This has been, by the way, a loophole the NFL's got to close because a lot of teams have done that this year with long snappers. Uh, they have these guys around forever. They're not expensive. Uh, you just say, look, we need the roster spot. We're going to bring you back uh, after the 24 hours. Wink-wink, uh, nudge-nudge. Uh, and you do it that way instead of <clears> – <throat> Instead of, you know, exposing somebody at the back end of your roster who isn't a vested veteran to waivers and you got to hope that nobody claims them. So it's just a way of getting through that little bit of hurdle. But, yeah, it was just a timing thing. They needed the roster spot before they could consummate the Flacco deal. And then Rick Lovato will be brought back uh, when that deal is official and rubber stamped by the NFL. Okay, fair enough. Um, does Rick Lovato have to play along? Because well, yeah. if they're going to release him, he's released. And if he wants to, as a free agent, go anywhere he can else. Do whatever he wants. Yeah. Right. Uh, is there any inducement involved there? Talk about under the table. Um, other than you're a loyal eagle, we've been loyal to you. We expect you to be loyal to us. We're going to release you and you're going to be a free agent for 24, 48 hours, whatever it is. Uh, I'm sure that you don't know and no one's gotten on the record and told you, but I need some good John McMullen speculation. Does Rick Lovato get anything for going? Yeah, sure. Tell me I'm unemployed for 48 hours. Well, you can't offer him money if that's what you're saying. Now, yeah. What's he get? Uh, Free passes to restaurants? (laughs) Can't even there's got to be and, something and, that he gets out of this in other theory, than the undying gratefulness of Howie Roseman, doesn't he? In theory, uh, you you can do what a, you know, it's sort of like 
the old recruiting techniques, I guess, in college basketball and college football. Wink, wink. Everything's wink, wink in the world. Uh, it is just it comes down to you only do that type of thing with somebody who uh, likes you, the organization, and someone that you like and trust. Because, yes, the minute they hand in those papers, if somebody else comes in and says, oh, we need a long snapper. Rick Lovato is a Pro Bowl long snapper. Um, let's go get Rick Lovato. He could turn around and say, guess what? This team is giving me more money. Uh, they want me. They didn't try this hijinks. I'm going to go there. He could definitely do it. And that's why you only do it with people you trust and respect. And that generally goes both ways. And I expect it to go both ways this time. All right. Um, today, tomorrow, when do the Eagles have to pick them, pick Mr. 53 and say, see ya. We got a, the roster. We need the roster spot to give back to Rick Lovato. How quickly is that decision? Going well, to be I made? think that it'll wait till it goes through the league office. The, the, the trade remember, so Lovato, uh, it, Reed Stennett takes Lovato's spot. So he's 53. Then Joe will move to the Jets. Uh, they're not getting a player back. So that opens up the roster spot okay. and Rick will go in that. But they, don't, they don't have to cut anybody. All right. I'm going to run something by you, John McMullen, that I just mentioned in passing here yesterday. And I went in more in depth on my WIP show last night, uh, right before we went to break um, or uh, not. Um, you said the Eagles still need to figure out who their quarterback of the future is. And with every passing game, it becomes less and less likely that it's going to be Jalen Hurts. You just told us you don't think they're going to go to Gardner Minshew unless there's an injury. So I would doubt very highly that they believe it's Gardner Minshew. Let me make a suggestion on a potential quarterback for the future for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't love this year's quarterback class. We're still a long way away from the NFL draft. So you got time for guys to uh, pick up their game. The kid, Kenny Pickett, has been playing very well for Pittsburgh. He's increasing his draft status and his stock. He is 23 years old already. He's a 50-year college quarterback, but he's having a hell of a year for Pitt. You know, I like Matt Corral, but is he a guy who deserves to be taken with a top five pick in a draft? I'm not sure about that. Um if Deshaun Watson isn't coming here, he's pretty much on record without being on record that he doesn't want to come here. I don't believe Aaron Rodgers is coming here. I don't believe that Russell Wilson is going to be traded during this offseason. Well, who's going to be that guy for the Eagles then? If you don't like what's coming in the draft, the potential trade targets are either saying, I'm not going, or it makes too much sense to believe they're not coming. Let me give you a name. Should the Eagles investigate trading for Tua Tungavaloa? You know, I got asked that by a by an SEC guy if I heard anything about the Eagles having any interest in in Tua. I have not heard um, even an inkling um, of interest in Tua. Um, look, if you can get him at a discount. And I would think you'd be able to get him at a pretty significant discount at this point, especially if the Dolphins pull the trigger, make the trade uh, for Deshaun Watson. Right. There's not a ton of leverage from their standpoint. You've already seen uh, Harry Roseman kind of take advantage of that organization. 
I would certainly entertain it. I'm not the biggest Tua fan. I know you like him as a player. Um, I think he's shown some life, certainly over the past couple weeks as he's gotten back from the the rib injury. Uh, They keep losing. It's not necessarily his fault. I, hey, compared to what's here, yeah, I mean, it's an upgrade. It's a significant upgrade. Um, is that the long-term answer? Probably not, but it's better than what you have. I, I, but it, to me, there's the bigger problem with something like that is you're, you're declaring, all right, this is our guy. This is who we're going to try to build this team up around. I'm not sure the Eagles want to do that. I think they want to keep their avenues open uh, to look for a better fit. That's just my personal assumption. He's unquestionably better than what they have, but I don't think that's what they want. They want they want somebody they like and that they want to be here for the long-term quarterback answer. And I don't I don't think that's the player they want. But you can't always get the player you want. Right. Here's here's my issue with that. <clears throat> You're talking about quarterback X. Yeah. You're talking, talking about, about the a philosophy. Yeah. You're talking about uh, someone who you can't identify by name. Yeah. At some point, you have to actually attach a name to a quarterback. You're going to make them the starting quarterback of your team for the next decade. <clears throat> you can't give me that name right now. Tua Tagovailoa at least has a name. He is an individual you can point to and go, him. I think he's that good. I would do it. Here was the hypothetical I came up with. You tell me if you would do this. Eagles and or Dolphins. Um, because Tua hasn't been as good as you would hope a guy drafted number five in the draft would be. He's a year and change into uh, his career. Um, hasn't wowed anybody, I think, because people are going to compare him to Herbert, who was taking one pick after him. That kind of uh, skews the way people look at Tua. He has had injury issues. I think they had issues last year with the way that they handled him. I think the Dolphins personally handled them poorly with the whole bring Fitzpatrick in the middle of the game to save the game, go to your closer out of the bullpen. And I think they <laughs> limited the things that Tua could do. You talk about uh, Nick Sirianni trying to build an offense around Jalen Hurts and not having confidence and not throwing the ball over the middle because they don't like his accuracy. Oh, I think the Dolphins did that and then some last year with Tua Tungavaloa. But that's, that's my scouting report on Tua. So here's where I think you could come up with a deal. If you're the Eagles, you don't have to give up a one. He came in, he got hurt. His numbers weren't great last year. He's comes in. He wins the first game of the season, then gets hurt again. He's now come back. They're, they're still losing week after week after week, but it isn't necessarily the quarterback's fault. But here's the offer. I think the Eagles could make, and maybe it would work. Basically, they just did the Joe Flacco uh, to the Jets thing as a deal in reverse for Gardner Minshew. What they paid to get Gardner, they get back in the Joe Flacco deal. How about they make a very similar deal to the one that they made last year with Carson Wentz? Give the Dolphins a second-round pick that can elevate to a first if Tua comes in and plays a fair numbers of stats. You can you can make it 75. You can make the exact same thing as the Carson Wentz trade. Next year in 2022, if Tua takes 75% of the starting snaps here, then the 2023 draft 
it elevates from a second round pick to a first round pick. If that's the price tag and you're the Eagles, would you do it? Um, yeah, if I like the player. I mean, everything's about evaluation. I think, and by the way, I think that's something that would work um, from the Dolphins. The Eagles get to keep their three first round picks this year and rebuild their defense. Now, again, we're 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 talking about obviously a lot of dominoes have to fall. We have the Dolphins number one. They have to get Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, right? Um, But if that happens, and look, if the Eagles like the player, and that's why I said I I have not heard an inkling. Normally, by this point i would hear something i've not heard an inkling of uh anything involving tua or them potentially even kicking the tires on that now maybe they've just hidden it really really well uh but typically things like that get out with the eagles so if you like the player everything always comes down to evaluation um yeah i mean that's that's a a nice way to go find a quarterback you're probably not going to get in the draft. And that's why I said you might have to go bridge. You might have to go Gardner Minshew or Jalen Hurts again in 2020 uh, next season, 2022, uh, and then start looking in 2023. But you are right, Jody. At some point, you got to identify a name. But this is the problem you have in this league. And this is this is why teams get on this cycle. And this is why the Carson Wentz, uh, whole situation was such a debacle. They thought they had the answer and they made some internal and we, I don't want to re-legislate that because we've talked about that ad nauseum, but they made some mistakes and it ruined and it went the wrong way and it went south and here you are. And now you see how difficult it is and you start talking about uh, getting reclamation projects because there's nobody in the draft. Um always comes down to player evaluation the bottom 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 line to that is this team has not been really good in player evaluation uh over the past couple of seasons and that's your concern but it is interesting you bring it up because and this is somebody from alabama is just bringing it bringing up he's talking about hertz uh versus Tua at alabama and you know, a lot of the same problems <clears throat> Hertz is having here, he was having at Alabama. There was one season where, and this is a, the source from Alabama, roughly 45% of his throws were at, at or behind the line of scrimmage, and another one-third of his throws were from the numbers to the sidelines. That was Jalen Hurts at Alabama. Same issue here. Same issue here. Now, here's the the interesting part. Late in 2017, among the wide receiver group, and that's the the four first-rounders, so Judy, Ruggs, Waddle, Devontae Smith, told Nick Saban, look, Tua can get us the football. Um, So it's better than Jalen Hurts. Um, it, it, but the, the Eagles think he's a big time NFL quarterback. I, I mean, all comes down to evaluation. Right. They have to evaluate. I'm asking you your evaluation. I'm giving you my evaluation. I'd love the kid going into his junior year at Miami. 
uh, excuse me, uh, at Alabama. Injuries curtailed the season. I thought he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Now, I'm not arguing that Joe Burrow should have been the number one pick in the draft. He damn well should have after the year that he had. I just didn't know that in September. By the time we got to January, I said, oh, shoot, two is not going to be the number one pick in the draft Burrow is. So two ends up going number five because people had concerns with the hip, the injury he had, the fact that it ended his season. I still like the player. I still like the skill set. I still like the talent. And if, oh, by the way, the Eagles don't make a competitive offer for him, he could end up in Washington. That's the one team that's name has been out there with interest. Oh, he'll in get sport. another chance. Yeah, he'll get another chance somewhere. Yeah, I mean that, and that's what makes it so difficult. Because if Washington, you know, you look at it the other way. Let's say that happens. Well, if Washington evaluates wrong, they got a bad quarterback for another three right. years. Let's say me the way, but yeah. if Washington evaluates right. Oh, by the way, you got to play him twice a year, every year for the next umpteen years. Uh, that could be a constant reminder. That's why of, you better get it right. That's why you that's, better get it right. We try and get it right for you here on Birds 365. We'll continue to try. We got another hour of it. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, coming up about 20 minutes from now. The voice of the Eagles and Espanol, Ricky Ricardo, will join us. Stick around for all of that. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. I'm with you. Uh, JM, you did touch on something last segment that I want to get back to about, or maybe it was even the segment before, uh, about Jonathan Gannon. And one of the things that he has kind of dropped the football on is that he hasn't bought, been able to bring his star defensive players onto his side and buy into his system and believe that the way they're playing is the right way to play. And the biggest one of all, of course, is Fletcher Cox. Um, I, I, I said this yesterday here on Birds 365. I had no issues with Fletcher Cox speaking after the game yesterday. I was glad to hear from Fletcher Cox, as a matter of fact. And even though he did... So was <laughs> yeah, you, it's more, more so you than me because that's your Ballywick. Um, he did question certain things. He did say, I don't cover screens, which is basically putting the DC on blast. But he also did so with a little respect by saying, uh, You have to play what's called. And he didn't completely just say, Screw this, this system stinks. But he pointed out enough to let you know that he's not happy with it. Um, I thought Fletcher actually did a really good job in being able to make his point without being disrespectful to the organization, to the coaching staff. When are we going to hear from Fletcher again? Do you, you now put the request in for Fletcher for weekly updates on what he thinks about the system that the Eagles have? Are they going to make him available? It was pretty telling what Fletcher said yesterday. Are you going to get a regular dose of that? Oh, yeah. Fletcher talks every week. So, I mean, he'll be there. It'll be it'll be a story. It'll be a far bigger story if he doesn't show up, and the Eagles know that. So, um, yeah, Fletcher's one of those guys that talks every week, no matter what. Um, and if he doesn't, it again that becomes the story, and that creates even a bigger issue uh, for the Eagles and Jonathan Gannon and Nick Sirianni. So, look, there's veteran players who are going to tell the truth. Jason Kelsey's one of those guys. Jason Kelsey's frustrated. You saw it on the field. Yeah. Now, Jason does a better job sort of filtering himself on the podium and things like that. Now, he'll rip Ben Simmons and, you know, he'll talk about overriding things, but he's never going to rip the team. But he's not happy. You know, and this, again, I go all the way back and I did it. This, this, this was such a difficult situation with Nick Sirianni to begin with. And then amongst the veteran players who had success under the old regime, remember, these guys are making Pro Bowls. They went a Super Bowl uh, with Doug Peterson, Jim Sports, Frank Reich, all the coordinators that came after. They had a lot of success. People forget quickly. And they don't forget. So when you're Fletcher Cox, for instance, and you say, and that that was telling, I don't play screens. 
Well, no, you do play screens. You didn't play screens under Jim Swartz because Jim Swartz told you, don't worry about it. Just go get the quarterback. I've, I've been saying this for a long time. This group, especially on the defensive line, is about more discipline, about you got to read your keys. You got you got to play two gap at times. You got to stay in your rushing lanes. You got to be aware of the screen. Um, it's not as fun. If you're a defensive lineman, your probably statistics are going to be down if you're a defensive lineman. So you got to buy in. He hasn't bought in and he hasn't bought in because he had a lot of success under the previous regime. And same thing with Jason Kelsey on the offensive side with the frustration. He doesn't want to play this offense, but he's a good soldier. And that's why this was really, really difficult for Nick Sirianni, especially with the veteran players. Now, as the roster continues to turn over and you get less and less of those guys, it'll be easier for him. Speaking of less and less of those guys, yesterday was uh, Joe Flacco's day to be moved on. Uh, I asked you after they made the Zach Gertz trade, would the Eagles do more selling? And the fact that I was a little put off by the way Howie Roseman stated. I knew it was coming. It wasn't like, did he really just say it? Well, of course he's going to say that. He's not going to admit that he's going out there selling. He doesn't want to lose his leverage with other teams. He doesn't want to lose his locker room, where the guys who are still dedicated to being here and winning this year go, wait a minute, we're not trying to win anymore? So I get that he had to say it, but it was just the way that he said that bothered me greatly. Uh, Yesterday was a small sell. Not a big sell, not going to move the needle a ton, but to get a draft pick, uh, not all that far of a different draft pick than the one they got for Zach Ertz, who did a heck of a lot more in this town for the Philadelphia Eagles than Joe Flacco ever did. And the compensation is is comparable. Um, we still got eight. Now we got seven days. It is one week from today, John McMullen, and we will be here on the air day of the trade deadline. They still got more sales in them. Yeah, I think so. I I think Andre Dillard is probably the key one. Um, And we'll see. I mean, if they want to, you know, if they have confidence that Lane's going to be here, uh, but Lane fits in that category of just what I said, veteran guy under the old coaching staff. Uh, But if they think he's going to be here uh, long-term, there's no need for Andre Dillard. He's at least proven himself to a certain degree to where, uh, there's a bunch of teams in this league that need left tackles badly. Uh, the Eagles could get I'm, – I'm thinking a day two pick for them. I'm thinking a third-round pick. Um, and if they can do that, um, you know, that's – that's you, you're, you were talking about a conditional seventh-round pick when this season started. Um, that's how much his his value has increased. So if the Eagles can get that, you know, you, you might want to do it. We've talked about Steve Nelson a lot for the similar situation of what you just saw with Jim Pla- Joe Flacco, but to a greater degree because he's playing. But he's not going to be here next year. And, and if you're not going to compete and you can get something of value, and there's so many contenders that need cornerbacks, why not do something? Why not do something? I know I've never said this with you before. I've never said it on Birds 365. I've surely said it on my radio gigs before. Um, 
my father and I used to bet on everything. We used to have friendly bets and we would bet a dollar. No matter what, it was a dollar. If we bet on anything, it was a dollar. It was always a dollar. And we would actually pay off each other. We'd let a running tab go for a couple of weeks, a month, uh, whatever it needed to be before we'd see each other. But then uh, uh, first thing you do uh, when I see my father, if we had been apart uh, and seen him for six months, whatever, running tab, first thing you do, you got to pay. Um, so we bet a dollar on anything. Uh, uh, raindrops coming down the window. He'd take one, <laughs> I'd take the other. For a dollar, you're on. Okay, so... Uh, I want to go a dollar with you. There's no way Andre Dillon's getting a day two pick. No shot. No well, chance. I wouldn't no say... way. No how. Chances are it's going to be a push between you and I. He won't get dealt. But I will bet you my uh, dollar. With, well, I'm uh, not. You see, now you're putting me. I, I would think it's more likely a fourth rounder. I'll bet you a fourth rounder. But I, I think they're hopeful they can get a day two pick. I've started to hear day two pick um you know but a, a lot of that is even if you go from before the season to right now into a fourth round pick and maybe it's a conditional fourth up to a three something of that nature um that's you can see the the giant leap he's made uh from playing those three games whatever it was um but it's got more to do Jody, man, this, this league, and you've heard me say it a hundred million times, this league is offensive line deficient. There are so many teams in this league with crappy offensive lines, and they see anybody with any semblance of ability, and they're like, oh, get me this guy. They can get a fourth-round pick. I'll bet you a dollar on the fourth-round pick. Okay. Well, and it you, might even be two, so that's why I offered it three. No, I'll give you I'll give you a dollar on both two. a third round pick and a fourth round pick, and I'll go you one better, a fifth round pick. I well, think they're looking at a sixth for yeah. Dillard. Well, if they trade Andre Dillard for a sixth, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you I'll give you five one dollar bets. They're not gonna trade him. If that's all, if I it's can a get. six, they say no. We use yeah. the first round. They're we not going to trade. It, it, right. That's too much admitting that they overvalued Andre Dillard. To well, I don't know. In. I don't. I don't know if it would have been that case if he didn't play. If he didn't play, they might have just taken that six round pick and say we'll get what we can get. But the fact that he played those three games and played at a competent level in this league is important. I mean. There are just terrible left tackles in this league that are starters. Um, and there are teams desperate for left tackles. It has more to do with the other teams than the Eagles. Yeah, I wasn't all that impressed with what he did during the three games he was in there. He was in there solely because my lot had got hurt. Otherwise, he never would have gotten in there. And I don't think he raised his value all that much. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm not watching coaches tape, but neither are you. Uh, we can lean on pro football focus if we want. Uh, I just watch the game over afterwards, watch it once live, and then watch it again afterwards. Nothing jumped off the page for me for uh, Andre Dillard. So I think yeah. you're too harsh on Andre. I think he played I think you're well too in this game. on Andre, and uh, you and I see the player completely differently. I think he can't play. The other guy you and I disagree on is uh, Derek Barnett. Can't play. He just he can't play. Period. Can't play. 
but the Eagles continue to trot him out there, and it boggles my mind when he continues to contribute next to nothing to their games. Uh, yeah, some guys, when I get perturbed that they haven't lived up to expectations, I just write them off. I've written Yeah, off. but that, I think that's the thing. You're writing the guy off Absolutely. because of what happened. But you're not looking at it objectively and how he played in those three particular games. So, all right, let me bring up, we'll use pro football focus as the tiebreaker because they got no dog in the hunt. True. Right? So if I bring up Andre, I'll bring up Andre first. So he's 32 of 77 um, at tackle. So to give you an indication, Lane Johnson, um, they don't, they don't differ. They just don't differentiate right tackle or left tackle. Right. Lane Johnson's 30. Andre's 32. Um, Jordan's 15. So Jordan's having a really good year. Um, and Jordan's better. And Jordan deserved to win. But he's playing. He played well when you compare him again. The rest of the league. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Uh, if you think about there's. 32 teams, um, they each have two tackles. That's 64. You're in the top half of starters in this league uh, for what he performed. And again, small sample size. Uh, as for Derek Barnett, he's not playing well, which is what I said. Uh, they have him, let me bring him up, 67 of 110, which is not good enough. Milton Williams would be the guy replacing him. 109 out of 119, because they right. have him graded with the interior alignment. 109 out of 119. Right. I mean, but Milton's I, been stinking it up. I'm talking about moving Milton Williams outside, because yeah. that's what they sold us on. He can play both inside and outside. Uh, I, I'm well, he has, he, played both, he has played both inside and outside. Um, but I'm just saying they grade him in – interior because he's right. played more in the interior right. either okay. way he stunk up the joint i i'd um, like to see him get in to the game playing outside and Derek barnett having a f comfortable seat on the bench Derek, uh feel free to dig right in there and well get you'll get i mean he, he's not gonna be here next year so there's another guy they'd like to trade but he makes 10 million dollars so right. it and, makes it more difficult yeah no they they that that no way they're getting a day two pick for no. Derek Barnett. i don't think they're getting not with a day that contract pick. i don't think anybody's picking him up all right uh, i see ricky ricardo is ready to join us we're going to punch him up in just a couple of minutes here on birds 365 <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back here with you on Birds 365. We are honored to be joined by the voice of the Philadelphia Eagles and Espanol, Ricky Ricardo, hot to board with us. How are you, Mr. Ricardo? Hello there, gentlemen. I am well. Yourselves? Yeah, there's that voice. I'm excited. So I got to give a personal apology to Ricky right off the bat. Oh, it won't be the first time, McMullen. Won't be the first first time. Game days are tough, Ricky. Game days are tough, man. Yeah, Matt I was gets invited on the Ricardo radio program on WIP on several occasions for fresh news right there a couple of hours after the Eagles have taken a uh, a defeat, a, a right to the jaw per se, but McMullen nowhere to be found. <laughs> well, there are many times I've been on the Ricky Ricardo show as no, well. No, you have. You have. I'm not like an O or anything of that nature. That's why you keep getting get keep getting invited back on the program. Now, my my spotters in Las Vegas already told me that they they they, they <laughs> saw you on the strip, okay, in good company, okay. Um, I might add, so I, I'm gonna forgive you. Well, I, I I will say the walk. Uh, I was at the MGM Grand, so the walk, and I said this from. Uh, the lobby to the elevator, and you know casinos, they make you walk through the casino mm-hmm. to try to uh, distract you. It, it's a nice walk, and it's not uh, you're not enjoying the slot machines, but it's a it's an aesthetically nice walk if you get you, where you I'm got going. distracted, and that's yeah. fine. I understand being distracted in Vegas and <laughs> overgoing coming on my program. I get it, but it's it's okay. I love you, John. <laughs> All right. And we love the fact that you're on with us, uh, Ricky. 
what we don't love is the way the Eagles are playing right now. Uh, two and five is two and five. There's no other way to slice it. And it's True. not just even two and five. It's a bit of an ugly two and five with yeah. questions that we can't find as an answer or as uh, analysts, as uh, guys who follow the team. How would you rate this Eagle coaching staff as of right now, seven games into their first year together? Is there a category that says in over their heads, <laughs> way over their heads? That, that's the way I look at this coaching staff. You know, we get Merrill Reese, Mike Quick, and myself, we're, we're basically next door to each other when we're doing the games. They don't travel either. Uh, so we're at Lincoln Financial Field. And what, what the NFL has done for us is they, they give us about three in each booth huge television monitors and a lot of different angles it's it's very much jody uh like what major league baseball does for road games for the broadcasters so we see things crystal clear up close and just the body language and the look on the face of nick sirianni jonathan gannon and some of these coaches just the look on their face during the game when things don't go their way, you can tell that they're uncomfortable. That They're cutting their teeth at the same time that supposedly some of these young Eagle players that we're you know, evaluating this year, uh, it's the blind leading the blind almost sometimes uh, during these games. How they could accept a 10-yard holding penalty, for example, in Sunday's game, instead of just getting the ball where, where the Raiders punt team had already come on the field. And for Sirianni to say, well, well no, no, no. Uh, you know, I'll take the 10 yards against a team that was number one in the National Football League in plays of over 20 yards. Now you're going to make it third in whatever it was, 16, 15. 15 you're going man. right up their alley. That's what they do best, the Raiders. Big play. <laughs> Bang, zoom. There's Carr. There's the throw. Now, they got bailed out later on on that drive because of the interception off the rebound that, that Maddox was able to pick it off. But that's just an example to me that Sirianni is going by the book, he's looking at his little cheat sheet, and he's making decisions that make absolutely no sense. So I guess to answer your question, I think they're in way, way over their heads. You know, that's an interesting point, Ricky, because I look at that play and I say, I see more of a game management issue than the decision. Look, either way, it's third and 15. That's where you want a, 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 a you know, an opposing offense in. That's what the Eagles are supposed to do. Get the hell off the field on third and 15. You want Well, yeah. Your defense off And that's why I bring up. That's why I bring up the game management part of it, because who's telling, who's watching from above, who's saying to Nick Sirianni in his ear, no, 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 because Nick Sirianni's thinking at him, he explained it as, if it's fourth and three, I'm going to go for it there. So that was his thought process. That's what he claimed after the game. But why isn't there a coach in his ear saying they're bringing on the punt team? You know, uh, that that is my bigger issue with that. You know, Ryan Paganetti, we have on the show occasionally, Jody and I, he used to be game, uh, Doug Peterson's game management specialist. Right. I assume Nick Sirianni has that, but he won't say it on record. To me, you got to have some help. You, sure. you can't be a head coach in this league thinking about calling plays, thinking about the next play, 
and also game managing, which I think you're right. He, he's in a, over his head. He's got to delegate some of this stuff. Do you see that, or is it, it too much on his plate for a young coach? I think there's too much on his plate for a young coach. You know, now we're seven games into his first season. He could, he, maybe he could get over the hump here and, and take these bruises and eventually become the second coming of Vince Lombardi. Who knows? But I tell you what, as of right now, seven games into his tenure, in an NFC East, look, I'm, I, I've got the uh, the uh, Cowboys streaming show, which is, you know, sort of an equivalent of what 365 is. And I was, just before I came on, I was listening to our buddy Brad Sham talking to Ezekiel Elliott back here watching this Cowboys hour. And they're just floating away into the sunset. They're, they're going to have this division clinched yeah. by Thanksgiving. I just don't see... As bad as things are going for the Eagles, I don't see any real advantage to anything that this team is doing week after week. There's no redeemable value coming out of these losses. It's the blind leading the blind. It's young coaches making bad decisions, which in, in turn don't allow guys like Jody, John, Ed Kratz. I could go down the list. It doesn't allow guys like us to be to to evaluate, be able to evaluate, you know, really evaluate some of this young talent, especially Jalen Hurts. I just don't see any progress. Sometimes in losses, you can see something, some light at the end of the tunnel, and there's just nothing redeemable coming out of these performances. Ricky, here's what scares me the most about Jalen Hurts, and I was good with him as a starting quarterback to give him the full year to evaluate him that maybe they could find a second-round diamond in the rough and be good at quarterbacks that I don't have to go looking elsewhere. His quarterback uh, pass completion rate seems to drop every single week. And as of right now, he's at 61 and change. 61 and change isn't going to get it done, specifically when the uh, head coach has the offense tailored to throw short what are supposed to be easy passes. A lot of wide receiver screens, a lot of just plain screens to back. That's supposed to be a high percentage throw. And if he's only at 61%, Ricky, that's not going to be good enough. No, I agree 100%. Let's not fool ourselves, guys. You know, Nick Saban chose Tua Tagovailoa over Jalen Hurts on the collegiate level for a reason, okay? He chose to transfer and go to Oklahoma to the Big 12 where they don't play any defense. Okay, he shined there in that one season. But if you go back, there's got to be something in the sauce here where Nick Saban chose Tugavailoa, who's no great shakes on the professional level either. But Saban saw something between those two guys where he chose to go the other way other than with Jalen Hurts in the highest of high situations on the collegiate level. And now we're watching Jalen Hurts on the pro level really is a reflection of what we're seeing uh, of Hurts as a pro is a reflection of what we saw of Hurts in college. Yeah, so you're right, Ricky. You're right, exactly. And it was that receiving group, I'm told, from someone in Alabama that kind of pushed for the move from Hurts to Tua because they thought Tua could get them the football in the middle of the field. We see some of those same issues with Jalen at the pro level, likes to throw it outside the numbers, not comfortable 
going into the middle of the field, that's going to kind of limit your offense. Now, the Eagles made a move at the quarterback position. Doesn't seem like a big deal. Joe Flacco wasn't playing. He's back with the Jets, veteran backup. But that elevates Gardner Minshew, a younger guy. And look, I don't think the answer at the quarterback position in Philadelphia is here yet. But I do think Nick Sirianni's offense would be opened up a little bit more with a Gardner Minshew-type quarterback. My overrating that, simply don't know, didn't see enough of them in Jacksonville. I think the Eagles could do more things. I'm not sure how successful they would be, but they'd be more comfortable doing more things. No, not only that, John, and I happen to agree with you, but at least you've got a quarterback in waiting during game day. Joe Flacco was going to bring nothing to the Eagles. He was there in case Hurts got hurt. There was no progress. There was nothing you were going to read or be able to evaluate if Joe Flacco got into a game. It is different with Gardner Minshew. If Minshew gets in, whether it's because Hertz is not performing well enough or Hertz gets injured and has to come out of the game, but at least if Minshew comes in, you will see another dimension and another kind of quarterback with a different skill set as compared to Jalen Hurts, I saw enough of Minshew as a Jacksonville Jaguar to be at least intrigued by what he could do. And I agree with you. I don't think the long-term answer at quarterback uh, is on that roster right now. But it is intriguing to me to be able to see something different at quarterback. And, and maybe Sirianni's you know, system works a lot better with somebody else. Who knows? I just need another look at some point to be able to say, okay, well, maybe it was Hertz or maybe it was Sirianna. Maybe it was the game. I I, I just don't see with Flacco, we would not have seen anything to be able to compare one thing with the other with Minshew. I think there's, there's uh, at least a chance to evaluate either the coach or really get into the detail of the quarterback play with Hertz on this Eagle team. All right. And Ricky need a prediction out of you. Um, I'm looking at the box score from week one, when Eagles beat the Falcons, they actually ran the ball with a running back 24 times. Miles Sanders had 15 carries. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell had nine. Uh, Jalen took off and ran it seven times. Taking quarterback keeps and designated run plays from the quarterback position out. I'm going to maybe overly optimistic here, but say the Eagles run the ball 20 times this week. Handed to a running back 20 times this week. No Miles Sanders, remember. I I know. That's why I'm saying maybe this is overly optimistic, but it wouldn't be their number one running game of the year. I'm tying this into the fact that I think the Lions stink on ice. So they're not going to be playing from two touchdowns down like they usually do. So, yes, they're going to actually run it 20 times. If I'm I will correct. give you. I will give you the Ricardo answer. Historical call. No, senor. No, senor. <laughs> no, senor. Uh, well, then, it's, all right. Then uh, forget about my twenty. Give me the breakdown of the running attempts for the Philadelphia Eagles this year, uh, discounting Jalen Hurts keeps. Who's getting the ball? How many times? I'm assuming Miles Sanders is not playing this week, gentlemen. Correct. Yes. Uh, they have not ruled him out, but he's not playing. Okay. He's not playing. So we're talking about a backfield of 
who? Gainwell, maybe Jordan Howard is elevated off the practice squad. Boston is there a Scott, there? don't forget Boston Scott, the Eagles. And, and, have, but and don't the forget great Boston, Boston Scott. Scott. Yeah. Uh, I, I, at max, and if, if we're talking a backfield of Gainwell, Boston Scott, and just, let's say Jordan Howard for right. conversation's sake, 15 rushes max. And I think you'd have to twist Sirianni's arm or somebody's got to whisper it into his ear one way or the other to get to the 15 rushes. I just don't see it. I like 15. And by the way, if they go 15, well, Ricky, well, 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 I'm going to go, I'm gonna no. go, I want to no. throw this in there. I'm going to throw Boston Scott gets more carries than Kenny Gainwell. That's what well, I was asking. That's what I wanted out of Ricardo. Who's well, going to be the main guy? Uh, well, I, in that Troika that we just mentioned, <laughs> We have seen Boston Scott produce in the past, and I, and I actually had been calling on my broadcast anyway. Had been calling for a little bit more of of our little mighty might number, you know, thirty five. Does he wear Boston? Thirty five, yeah. Thirty five. I'm looking for more thirty five in these first seven games. I agree. Uh, look, I think Gainwell is a good change of pace guy. I don't think he's a lead running back. Good receiver coming out of the backfield, as we saw the other day, catching the ball over the middle and getting into the end zone. Uh, so in a revamped running attack, if you're not counting on Miles Sanders, and as Jody mentioned, not not counting on the uh, Jalen Hurts element, then I think Scott becomes your lead back. 15 carries, I would hope to see. I don't think you'll get any more than that, uh, especially against the Lions. An 0-7 Lions team this week with Dan Campbell obviously desperate for a win. I think it would do the Eagles well if they did use the ground game a little more. I just don't see it in the DNA of this coaching staff. 15 carries the most for the backs, not counting what Jalen Hurts is going to give you. And hopefully that'll work and get them out of Ford Field with a win. Yeah, with a big Boston Scott this week, you would hope the Giants would be on the schedule. Uh, <laughs> Boston uh, Scott, Giants killer Boston Scott, but it's the Detroit Lions first. Uh, I do want to shift to the defense, Ricky, because yeah. they're taking the heat more than the offense this week. Uh, and a lot of that comes down to Fletcher Cox and his comments after the game. And he was pretty honest about how passive this group, a lot of cover two, a lot of soft zone. You know, Tom Brady's completing 80-plus percent of his passes, which isn't a big deal because it's Tom Brady. But then Derek Carr's over 90%. Dak Prescott, fourth time quarterback has completed over 80% of his passes. It looks like seven-on-seven out there. Is Jonathan Gannon that bad, or are the linebackers that bad? Well, this isn't exactly, uh, you know, the, the 85 Bears linebacking core. Let's start there. But I, I am just as puzzled by the scheme defensively as Fletcher Cox is. I was able to re-watch last night Seth Joyner's comments about what Fletcher Cox said. And Joyner really opened my eyes to something. He thinks that that this defense right now is completely in shambles. I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting. But when Fletcher Cox made those comments on Sunday night, and, and you were there, John, it, it, it really shines a light into the disarray, in my opinion, of where this Eagle defense is at right now. Now, we mentioned 
that they don't have big-time talent at linebacker. I think the corners have done a decent job. They have, yeah. I really <laughs> do think that Nelson has, has you know, been admirable here with Slay uh, in the backfield. The other day, Epps got burnt one, the one time over the middle. But really, the secondary, I don't think, has been the main culprit of what ills this defense. But up front, some of these guys have disappeared in these games. I mean, absolutely disappeared. You're talking some very high-priced talent on the defensive line and in this rotation that was supposed to be the strength of this team. And I'm never going to accuse guys of jocking it. I won't do that. But I tell you what, some some of the effort that I've seen here, especially in the last couple of weeks, it looks to me either the schematics just don't work or maybe some of these guys have mentally checked out because they just don't believe in what this defensive coordinator is doing. So uh, it, that's a huge concern for me. We'll see against Jared Goff and the Lions on Sunday if they can get that turned around. Yeah, if they're checked out against Lions, that's a really, really bad sign because this is absolutely a winnable game for the Eagles. Um Someone mentions to me last night on WIP, Ricky, one of my callers, they were uh, afraid of the upcoming game because the Lions are going to want to go out and win one for Deuce. <laughs> Deuce has been there a couple of months, seven old games. There's probably a couple, a couple guys there. that defense he can't even yeah. uh, name. He couldn't recognize. But, oh, oh, he plays safety for yeah. us. He's so ent- entrenched in his job, which is running the backs and the offense and the like. You don't buy that, do you? Win no, one for the deuce? No, I don't buy that one bit. If, if, if anything, the Lions gave the Rams a run for their money this past week in the battle of, uh, of the ex-quarterbacks. Uh, I don't know if they expanded too much energy and, and maybe have a let. I mean, here I am talking about a letdown about a team. Letdown, yes. Yeah, the Lions letdown. I like yeah, it, Ricardo. A, a little Lions letdown because, uh, you know, they saw Stafford last week and Goff was, you know, back uh, on the West Coast. Look, I, I, I think Campbell is just desperate for a win. If anything, the Lions are probably looking at their schedule and circling the Eagles on the calendar and saying, here's the team that we can beat and get our first win. Okay, so mentally, I'm more worried about the fact that everything that we're talking about here that you guys have, have, you know, break down so eloquently during the week that Campbell and the Lions staff is saying, here's where, you know, win numero uno is going to come out of when this Eagle team, which is right now in in shambles, comes into Ford Field on Sunday afternoon. I don't think it's so much deuce, Jody, than the mere fact that right now that Lions team is saying, here's where our, you know, no win streak can come to an end. Yeah, battle of coaching heavyweights, Dan Campbell and Nick Sirianni. <laughs> I, I do want to say, to Jody's point, more of the Eagles would probably want to win one for Deuce Daly than the Lions. I yeah. Mean, he's been, yeah. Yeah, if he's there's any there. emotion t- attached to yeah. Deuce Daly, I would think it's from the Eagles side than from the Lions side. Yeah. I do, you know, when you started this, you said something interesting, and this is not about the Eagles, but you guys don't get to travel anymore. You got the screens. So, how was that for you? I saw Kate Scott took over the Sixers. She can't go on the road. How does that change the way you call a game, not having the environment, the excitement of being in the stadium? How much more difficult does that make it for you? Well, John, I'll tell you what, Jody can attest to this because he's been around 
me for many years. I, I, I got a head start on all these guys doing games remotely because the Spanish broadcast for the baseball for years, there's not enough booth space in a lot of these stadiums for the extra broadcast team. And especially with the NFL where you've got the home team radio and, and oftentimes you've got a, uh, you know, a syndication company, whether it's Westwood one or, or a sports USA or whatever that occupy another booth. So I've been doing games off monitors both baseball and football for quite a long time. Now, for me, it's a lot easier off the monitors because it's a better view than some of the booths that I've been placed in over the years. Okay. At at Lambeau field in the, basically in a broom closet in a corner, you know, with with all kinds of obstructions Uh, just, you know, to use as one example, the NFL as, as, uh, as has major league baseball provide us, Plenty of angles. Now they don't give us the twenty, the all twenty-two anymore because supposedly people were, or at least uh, they were suspected of some cheating, some underhand things. Last year we had one of the screens on the all twenty-two, which was great because I could actually see more off that all twenty-two screen than I can from the broadcast booth sometimes, mm-hmm. or at least it's the equivalent thereof. But for me. It's it's nothing that, that that surprises me. I've been doing it for years, and it looks to me anyway. I don't want to speak for that crew, but for Merrill and his guys that are next door, that sometimes off of these very high tech monitors, which you know have the ability to really get up close, it's easier for the spotter to to you know see the numbers on the backs, uh, to call the game in more detail and be correct about your what you're broadcasting. It's actually easier coming off of these monitors because the NFL does such a good job in providing you with so many different camera angles that we have at our disposal. And, oh, by the way, Ricky, if you're doing it from a pretty empty uh, Lincoln financial field when the Eagles are playing on the road, you don't have to fear someone trying to climb into your booth like (laughs) happened in Baltimore this past weekend. I know you've done it for baseball and when you're down at the link for Eagles home game. What's the, the the best story you have sharing an experience while the game is ongoing with a fan base? Anybody well, wave, anybody throw anything at you? What's your best fan interaction broadcast? Uh, I'll tell you what, Jody. The night I needed a security escort to be taken out of Soldier Field, the night of the no senor call, okay? Where I was placed that night, I literally had fans. There were Eagle fans that were shaking my hand. That was that close where they placed us. Uh, John, it's very similar. Jody, I don't know if you've been to the broadcast area in Washington. Oh, you're way the hell out of it. Right, but but you literally have fans that can reach up and shake your hand. You're that close to the fan base. And that's not just Spanish. That's Merrill. That's everybody. It's just the way they made it. But at Soldier Field that night, when I went nuts with the no senor call, there were things being thrown at me by the Bear fans. <laughs> and then I was actually being protected by the Eagle fans. So you had, <laughs> you had people battling right below me, Eagle fans saying, no, 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 that's our guy. You ain't throwing nothing at him. And then security had to walk me out of Soldier Field that night. That was historic, but I, I, I've never seen anything like it. That's funny. <laughs> The emotion of the fan base, it fuels yes, everything. And the Eagle it, fan, John, as you yeah. know, travels very well. Oh, 
Uh, they were all over Vegas. And it's amazing. I feel bad for the fans. You see this product, obviously, costs a nice chunk of change to get out to Vegas these days. So, uh, And then to be rewarded with that type of performance. Yeah. What, what can we expect? Last one, Ricky. How do you turn this around? Can you turn it around from a coaching perspective with this personnel? Bottom line. Sure. That's where you are. I think this is what you've got. Look, I I would love to see a veteran. Let's say I'm going to throw a name out at you. But let's say you bring in a guy like a Wade Phillips in as a consultant to try to help out some of the young guys on the defensive side or maybe some sort of veteran quarterback mentor to tutor Jalen Hurts and now Minshew going forward. The one thing that this coaching staff does not have is a quote-unquote consultant they don't have to be a coordinator but a consultant from a veteran point of view to be able to guide some of these young guys you know in their uh you know their their rookie season here in these positions of power uh whether they do that i, I look i'm not sure whether at, at this point it's even you know you got 10 games left in the season you're going to sink or swim with what you got uh but this coaching staff better start analyzing themselves and, and really internally taking a look at what they're doing. Because what, what I am most fearful of is that at some point soon here, they lose this locker room completely. We're starting to see some cracks in the armor and I don't want these cracks to become, you know, bigger than what they already are. They need to get this thing reeled in and a loss in Detroit, a loss in Detroit this Sunday could mean could mean some sort of major change one way or the other, whether it's just it, whether it's Howie saying, all right, I've got a couple of days to make some deals before Tuesday, November the 2nd, a week from today, the trade deadline, or maybe bringing in, you know, some consultant help uh, on the coaching staff. We'll see. But, the, you know, this is a this is a big one on Sunday. I'd rather be anywhere else. I'd rather play the Buccaneers again this Sunday. <laughs> then go into Detroit because if you lose to the Lions this week, I think it tilts. Come on, up. Ricardo! They're going to win on Sunday. The Lions find a way to lose every week. They're going to find true. a way to lose to the Eagles. Right. It's going to be a it's going to be a Jake Elliott fifty-seven yard field goal at the gun. That's what they're going to need. That's, That's what it's going to take, lose. John. A, yeah. a, an Elliott C Senor. Yes. Si there we go. Si si senor. Senor. All right, we'll and see. one more thing, by the way. Is yeah. Marty Morningwig available to come back for about the ninth time? Yeah. If you're looking for a consultant on the offensive, why don't we go down that Marty Morningwig yeah. road again? Did he talk with anybody, John? Do either of you know no. what he's talking about? Is he Marty's getting paid by anybody these days? He's nah, texting reporters. That's what Marty's talking about. <laughs> Look, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that. I mean, you yeah. need somebody with a different no, set no, of no. eyes. I, I was kidding. We, we don't need to do Marty Morningwig again. Right. We've done that too many times. Been there, done that. Uh, you can't continue to do the same thing and accept different results. That's insanity. No, no. Jim Schwartz insanity. is consulting down in Tennessee, and they just shut down Kansas City. He'd be nice to have. Uh, he, he, all right, so he's busy. We can't have him. Uh, Mr. Ricardo, muchas gracias, senor. Thank you very much for coming on. We'll get you back on again later in the season, and I'll talk to you later tonight. Anytime, gentlemen. John, good to see you. Jody, we'll talk again tonight on the radio. But I tell you what, I'm I'm nervous about this week. I no, really man, am. I'm not, 
I Thanks, mean, they, they gotta beat the Lions. Come on. I got a makeup. If you need somebody from Detroit, I'm all in. I'm saying it right now. You got it. So be it, gentlemen. We'll see. Ricky, Good. thanks, buddy. That's Ricky Ricardo, voice of the Eagles and Espanol. <laughs> All right. I felt bad last week because I kind of got out in front of it that I like the Raiders to win the game. I think I said it for the first time on Tuesday. Uh, so it's Tuesday now. And as the week went on, I felt stronger about the Raiders beating the Eagles this week. I am just as strong. I am more strong on the Eagles beating the Lions this week. Right now, Tuesday, on the record, W for Philadelphia on Sunday. There's no way the Lions not win one for the deuce. It's not happening. <laughs> win uh, one Dan Campbell deuce. can fight all the kneecaps that he wants. It's not happening. The Eagles are beating the Lions on Sunday. I hope so, because Ricky is right. If they don't win this game, whew, does it turn ugly. When, uh, when you, 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 you lose to a winless uh, Detroit team, that is not going to go over well. Early in the week, and I revert, uh, you know, I could change this, but reserve the right to change. Early in the week, I'm with you. I think the Eagles are going to find a way to win this game because Detroit finds a way to lose games. Every That's, week. Yeah. they find, And some of them are heart-wrenching, and I feel bad for that fan base. But they always find a way to lose a game. But, man, the Eagles are playing poorly. You know, you got to figure out, okay, how do they win a game? How do they win a game? It's more about not how do they win. It's about how Detroit loses. How the Lions find a way to not lose. I do not believe it's happening. All right, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac, coming back. What are we going to do? I think we'll put a bow on the show. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mets and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Coordinator Central today. Well, uh, the yeah, the coordinators. Big day for for Jonathan Gannon. Okay, yeah, he's got some questions to answer, and I'll I'll be so kind as your uh, considerate partner to give you a potential question to ask Jonathan Gannon uh, for today. Uh, but first, the question for you is Zach was Zach McPherson active active for uh, yes past Sunday's game. Yes. Okay. So uh, the number of defensive snaps, I checked the snap uh, analysis. Uh, you, I, and Zach McPherson all tied with zero snaps played on defense this past week. Yeah, I mean, Zach hasn't played on defense. I, it's, the, the Eagles' corners, we just talked about it with Ricky, uh, they've been pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an issue with that. So as long as Slay and – I'm looking it up though. He had 22 special team snaps, so that's his role right now. Core special teamer. Um, Steve Nelson's played well for the most part. Got beat on that that one long pass. Um, Avante Maddox has played well in the slot uh, as a whole. It's you know strange to say the corners have been the strongest part of the defense in my estimation. And Zach Zach's a rookie corner, and the guys playing in front of him are just better. Um, you know, and that's why I said at some point, you know, do you want to get something for Steve Nelson at the trade deadline? That's why I'm bringing it up. If you're uh, going to, and I hope that there is communication between the front office and the coaching staff about what they may or may not do, uh, leading up to the trading deadline, including all the way one week from today on the trading deadline, it wouldn't hurt to get Zach McPherson a snap or two. Cause if you trade Steven Nelson, uh, Andre Sachere, is he going in as your starting corner next week if Nelson were to be dealt? Or no, Andre, just... Andre Sachere is more of a safety, although he is pretty versatile. Uh, they they had that kid, Mac McCain, they picked up on waivers. They have uh, Tate Gowan, who they just traded for in the Zach Ertz trade. They have a lot of young corners. So it would be interesting if, you know, I think Zach McPherson ultimately is a, a slot corner. Uh, we'll see. I think he's better suited to play inside than outside. Take Gowan, the kid they got, is more of an outside corner. I don't know anything about Mac McCain to tell you. I haven't even seen him. I couldn't even tell you what he looks like. Um, I, but they do have a lot of young corners. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they all shake out if they have to play. But right now, I mean, if Steve Nelson's here, he's going to play. And that's one of those yeah. things. It's you got to weigh it. It's like is it worth it or do you want to get those startup costs I talked about with young players over with, uh, you know, you might as well get them over with right. if you, if you stink. And that's kind of what I'm saying about Milton Williams. 
Uh, he might not be grading out all that well, but uh, he's, fair he's, point, he's, but... he's a future contributor. Derek Barnett is not. Derek That's Barnett's true. future with the Philadelphia Eagles is 11 games max. That's it. He's not going to be back here next year, or 10 games back because they played seven. No, that's um, true. He's not going to be back. I mean, he's he's not going to be back. He's going to get overpaid. I guarantee you on the open market, the Eagles are not going to want to pay him. So you're right. He's not going to be back. So from that standpoint, um, but, you know, you would have to trade him. I think it's more difficult uh, to trade a player like Derek Barnett because of his money. Because you're already losing the locker room. We talked about that a little bit with Ricky as well. If if you say, if Derek Barnett's still here and you just bench him, I, I don't think you can do that. Because players know, you know, well, he's better than that guy. And that's how players look at things. I would, I would slowly move up the number of plays. I'm not going directly uh, inactive, Derek Barnett. No. I'm not going to be you because you're right. That could uh, cause a fissure in the locker room. But each week I would get Milton Williams out there a little bit more involved on the defensive end position. But that's just me. All right. Uh, I'm already on record. I'm picking Eagles this week. McMullen's quasi on record that he's leaning toward the Eagles this week. Leaning. leaning. But I'm tired. I got to I got to think I got to focus. Focus on that uh, question that you're going to ask Jonathan Gannon today. All right, we'll be back here tomorrow, 22 hours from now. Coordinators get a chance to speak. Will that be that much closer to uh, win one for the deuce? The Eagles, the Eagles squad, the Eagles running back, win one winning for one the for the deuce. <laughs> for the Eagles this week. Win Write one for the deuce. And be sure. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.